Welcome to another youth-centered podcast. I'm very happy to have Steve Boudreau with us today. Uh, Steve, a lifelong North Andover resident, um, obviously grew up here at the youth center and very involved with our sports program. Now an educator and a uh, basketball coach. And uh, we're going to get into today talking about culture and uh, how to kind of build a culture and kind of some of the some of the points that he wants to bring, bring across on how to build a culture and maybe talk a little bit about some of the pitfalls of how cultures sometimes uh, don't work out the way they want. So Steve, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, Rick, thanks for having me. I'm a, um, I'm a youth-centered regular, so I love listening each week and um, had, some, had some great guests and, and hopefully I can uh, be one of those too. I'm sure you will. Steve, for the people that don't know you that, are, that will be listening to this podcast, who actually is Steve Boudreaux? So um, I guess a, a timeline for me is I grew up in North Andover, uh, went to Atkinson School, North Andover Middle School, uh, graduated from North Andover High School in 2008, uh, played football and basketball. Uh, while I was kind of growing up, I, I, Youth Center was a staple in my life, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. Um, after high school, went to Keene State College, uh, played four years of basketball there, graduated in 2012. Post-college, I actually stayed at Keene State for three years. I was an assistant basketball coach and worked in residential life for three years there. Uh, moving on from Keene, ended up becoming a teacher in Lawrence for four years. Uh, and I am currently in my first year as the sixth grade uh, physical education teacher in Tewksbury, Mass. Absolutely. So, Steve, growing up here in North Andover, obviously we got to know you as a real young kid at the youth center here. Um, how important were sports to you when you were growing up? Yeah, so it's, it, it's funny when I when I think about this question. Some people grow up wanting to be a doctor, a lawyer, a professional athlete, and I grew up wanting to be a, a North Andover Scarlet Knight. Uh, football and basketball is extremely important to me. Um, you know, I have a, have a few great memories. I could lay in my bed um, on Green Street on Friday nights, and I could actually hear like the buzz and the PA announcer uh, when a Friday night football game was going on. Um, I obviously took to basketball. Uh, my basketball memory, I guess, is probably the 99 Christmas tournament against Central Catholic um, at the old high school. Place was jammed, great atmosphere. Uh, North Andover was clearly not as talented, but had a you know a lot of grit, a lot of toughness. So that was kind of w- what drew me to sports is 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 wearing the North Andover uniform, and, and I enjoyed playing. Uh, and as as I look back, you know, I, I thought I had a great high school experience. I was proud to be a North Andover Knight, uh, proud to represent the community. Uh, put in a lot of effort into basketball and football, and uh, some of my best friends and, and closest friends come from sports and, and that teamwork and that passion and that togetherness. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, sports to me is it's a microcosm of life, right? It's um, it, it's pretty unique to 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 <clears throat> play next to your teammates and um, and get to compete with them. Absolutely. And this is the time of year that we're uh, we're watching the the Mass State tournament uh, in basketball and. Uh, I remember in your uh, senior year, you guys made it all to all the way to the Songus Division Two North Final. What was all that like? So I think anytime you qualify for the state tournament, it, it, it's a special time of the year, right? Postseason basketball, postseason anything, um, it gets the juices flowing. It's exciting to prepare and, and get ready to play. Um, you know, that year I don't think we were the most talented team, but I thought we were uh, we were tough and, and we overcame you know some deficits and, and able to win three or four games in the state tournament and get to the North Finals. Uh, the, the best memory I have probably in my entire sports career is, is the, in the North quarterfinals, um, the McManus miracle when Sean McManus yeah. came down and, and hit the three. Against Woburn, right? Against Woburn, yeah, at the buzzer. So, um, 
but it was a great run. You know, the community, I think the North Denver community does an unbelievable job supporting uh, and getting behind their, their sports teams. Uh, it was great to play for Coach McVay, and, and we had a really just – just a great season, just really a great season. I, I, um, I wouldn't trade those days for just about anything. Yeah, they were some great days. Uh, you were lightly recruited out of high school. You and I have talked about this, uh, your post-career career in terms of, you know, what it was like being recruited, not recruited. Um, you decided you wanted to play a sport in college and you wanted to play basketball, and you were lightly recruited by uh, Coach Colbert up at Keene State. Uh, and you were a four-year varsity player. Uh, but the amazing thing that most people don't know is you were a three-year captain at Keene State. Uh, that's kind of unheard of. You know, you'll see guys that are captain one year, sometimes captain that's two years, but be a captain for three years. Um, what was that all like? And w why do you think Coach Colbert made you a captain for three years? So I think the first thing is is going from high school to college. Uh, the the biggest difference I, is clearly the speed of the game, um, the physicality of the game. I mean, my first even three weeks of playing pickup and working out with those guys, uh, my head was was completely spinning. It was like it was on an axis. But um, it's it's different than high school because you're playing with everybody on that college roster was the best player on their team. Um, so I I personally felt like I constantly had to prove my roster spot, prove my rotation spot, etc. cetera. Uh, I'd say as a player, I had an up and down career. Um, Coach Colbert used to call me Tim Wakefield because sometimes I'd be starting, sometimes I'd be finishing, sometimes, quite frankly, I'd be on the bench. Um, so I was never, again, three-year captain, but never a star, um, role player, um, was asked to, to, to fill a role, and, and hopefully that's what I would do. Um, was named a captain as a sophomore, and, and the interesting thing was I broke my foot my freshman year, so I actually only played five games my freshman year. Uh, but I think, I think I was very well-respected by teammates. Uh, I think I, I showed a constant commitment. I think I was very vocal. I was a vocal leader. I think I did the right things on and off the court. Um, and I think those were kind of the reasons why I was chosen by the coaching staff and, and, and my teammates to be a captain as a sophomore. And being a captain was not a surprise for people like me and Mr. McVeigh, who had seen your leadership skills right from the beginning. So another something great also did happen up there. Yeah, you ended up meeting the love of your life, Danielle. So we got to give her a shout out. So um, uh, the Mrs. Boudreau, um, hmm. how did that all go down? And how, how's Danielle been a big support to you as a, both a player and now as obviously a coach? So Danielle and I met uh, my sophomore year of college, and we've now been married about two and a half years. And and um, it was funny. I was on a trip with a couple of my buddies who I consider really close friends. We were actually going out to see my brother in Syracuse a couple of years ago. And I get home after the two-day trip, and I looked at my wife, and I and, and it hit me that she was like she was my best friend um, more than more than my buddies. I just spent 12 hours in the car driving up to Syracuse and spending two days with them. But um, it just, you know, we have a really strong partnership and, and, and obviously, you know, she, she's my wife. We're extremely close. Uh, I think the neat thing about her as a supporter is she's proud of me no matter, no matter the results. Um, you know, when I was a player, um, as a coach now, she's just, she's just really supportive, really proud. And um, I, I, I think as a spouse, I, I think it can really take a toll um, when your husband or wife is coaching. Uh, but she handled it really well this year, and, and I know it's demanding and it's time-consuming, and she's asked me a lot why I'm on the phone so much. Mm. I don't think she totally gets it, um, but I can tell you she was a fixture at, um, at Tewksbury basketball games this year up in the corner. It was, it was nice to always get to kind of glance up there and, and, and know that she was up there, and 
uh, rooting for me. Well, she's an amazing young woman and obviously a great support for you. After you graduate, you stay up at Keene uh, for a couple of years uh, to, to join uh, Coach Colbert on his staff. Um, we often talk about what it's like being an assistant coach at the Division three level. It's not all the luxury and the glamour of being a D1 assistant or whatever, but what was the life for three years of a D3 assistant? So I think Division three assistants, um, it's very demanding. It's a lot of travel. Uh, it's heavily focused on recruiting, finding players that are the right, you know, right for your program. Um, and I think it's, it's constantly evaluating what are the needs of the team today versus the needs of the team tomorrow. You, you do have to think uh, big picture and day to day. My three years at Keene, I thought I developed a lot as a coach. Uh, I took on more responsibility on the floor uh, each year. I had one of the great things about working for Coach Colbert was you had to earn your earn your earn your stripes. If he didn't think I was capable of running a drill, then I wasn't running the drill. And I think by my third year, uh, he had a lot of faith in me, a lot of belief, and I was able to to just move move my career forward. Um, but I think recruiting can take a real toll on on you. Um, the travel and, and, and the driving and the mileage and, and recruiting calls and getting kids on campus and uh, getting them accepted and financial aid. And then they make their decision. I mean, it's a six to nine month process um, for most student athletes that we recruited at Keene. It's, uh, it, it was a great run for you. I'd see you on the recruiting trail a lot. You recruited a lot of kids that we, uh, we both trained. You recruited a lot of kids from my fall league that I run. And, uh, but it, can't, it kind of at one point ran its course, and you decided to leave the, the realms of coaching at the D Division three college level, and you took a job uh, working in a number of different capacities at a charter school in Lawrence. So what was that transformation like of going back into a school system and actually working with young kids? So I think this is my fifth year teaching, but I think one of the things that um, I keep coming back to even in my practice today is that coaching is very similar to teaching, and teaching is very similar to coaching. Um, when I was at Lawrence, uh, I think I relied a lot on what I knew in terms of being a coach, in terms of uh, holding students accountable and um, being prepared and, and ready to go each day. I spent four years in Lawrence, taught three subjects. Uh, I started as a science teacher, ended up teaching two years of health. And then my last year there, I was the physical education teacher there for sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Um, and I, Lawrence is a, a little piece of me right now. I know we spend a lot of time talking about North Andover, but, but I, I, I hold my time in Lawrence in high regard. Um, you know, those students are tough. They're, they're gritty. They're tireless workers. Um, and, and, I, and so those, that, that's from a student perspective. In terms of a staff, uh, I worked with great people, really incredible educators. I, I think I learned so much uh, about teaching, about coaching, about social-emotional learning, uh, about how to give feedback, um, I, I was I was pushed to be my best at that at Up Academy Leonard, and and it to this day it, it really has made me a better teacher, a better coach. Um, so I I look back on those four years and and um, really fondly. It was it was actually really difficult leaving. It was, and obviously you had some opportunities, and obviously you made the step to. Uh, be a gym teacher in Tewksbury. You're uh, at the Ryan School, which is a middle school in Tewksbury. Um, what's that like, been transferring now out of Lawrence into a, a small community of Tewksbury and running your own gym class? So when the school year ended last year in Lawrence, I had no intention of leaving. Uh, I was extremely happy where I was, uh, loved what I was doing. 
but the the opportunity in Tewksbury that presented itself was was intriguing. It was appealing. Um, I love working with sixth graders. I think they are um, extremely impressionable, uh, and they're not too cool for school, so to speak. So I thought just being able to just getting to teach sixth grade was a, instead of sixth, seventh, and eighth was a huge draw. Um, I had worked with again. We've trained some students from Tewksbury, some student athletes from Tewksbury. I just and everything I had heard about the community really kind of drew me there. Um, and then once it became a reality and the potential to be involved with the basketball program was was real uh, and my schedule would allow me to do it, um, it became um, it became something that I really wanted to pursue. Uh, I'm glad I'm in Tewksbury. I've had a really good six, seven months there, and I look forward to continuing to uh, work there as a physical education teacher. Yeah, and your goal obviously is to be a head coach in basketball. We're going to talk about this unique relationship you had this year, but uh, for people who don't know, you, you know, after coaching at the college level, you had a tremendous amount of experience, and you were actually a finalist for two big jobs in our area. You were finalist for the Central Catholic job, as well as the Masconomic Regional job, and it's only going to be a matter of time. Um, it's probably sooner than later that you're going to be a head coach. Um, by getting the job in Tewksbury, you were approached by Tewksbury's uh, head coach, Coach Bradley, who actually wanted to, to come on board this year. And you had a pretty unique relation. I'd actually call it an associate head coach job. You worked with the varsity. You did, did a lot of the game management and everything and uh, worked side-by-side, side, obviously, with Coach Bradley. So what's that experience been like as far as being an associate head coach in Tewksbury? Yeah, so I think the first thing is I'm, I'm really grateful that, that Coach Bradley uh, allowed me to do what <clears throat> what I was able to do. He gave me a huge responsibility. And, and, and we had talked in the summer, uh, maybe even a little bit later in the fall, that I really, if, if I was going to come on board, I really wanted to have a, I didn't want to spin the whistle around my finger during practice. I wanted to, to be have a prominent role um, in, in all aspects. I wanted to have my fingerprints on, on many different aspects of the program. Um, and he allowed me to do that. Uh, and I thought we actually worked really, really well together. Um, and because of it, you know, there were some there were some ups, there were some downs, there were some things I'm really proud that we've done, and there were some things that, you know, as as I reflect, I think we have to get better at. But um, you know, it was a great experience. It was I would say it was the most fun I've ever had um, coaching, and uh, I I know we'll get into that reasons why, uh, but I can say that I think I'm a better coach now because of the experience that that Coach Bradley gave me, uh, and because of of the guys that I got to coach each day. Um, than I was, say, in October or November. Yeah, and let's let's now get into what the meat of our podcast was going to be in about culture. Um, you know, you, you know personal hand that uh, uh, how involved I am with culture. You and I have been working together for many years now, along with a few of our other young staff members in our BSD training program, and we've developed a lot of kids that have gone on to, uh, you know, obviously play major college basketball, and we've got a couple of guys that are actually getting paid to play basketball right now. We've built a, a pretty cool culture in the whole BST training facility. And so I want to kind of pick your brain as someone that's obviously come up in my, my BST culture, but also some of your own feelings of what you think about culture. So this year you uh, got involved with the Tewksbury program, which um, it's, it's not rocket science here. They've struggled the last number of years. Um, in terms of wins and losses. Uh, and when you got there, you know, you involved yourself with a team, like I said, that, that has struggled. Well, what did you try to do from day one in your role as associate head coach 
what did you try to do to to just start off with trying to change the mindset and the way of the way that people are feeling about basketball? So I guess for me, it it, it dates back to um, having the opportunity to coach in the fall. Um, we we were part we participated in the North End of a fall ball, um, and, and it's funny sometimes I can get wrapped up in the results, but as I as I started to prepare for the fall league, um, I really had one goal. And the goal was at the end of the fall league, I wanted to be able to look at the players that played in that fall league. And I wanted them to be able to look at me and say, I can trust you. And I wanted to be able to look at them and, and know that I can trust them. Um, because at the end of the day, the fall league, and we struggled, there's no question. I, I think we had one win um, over the course of the, uh, of the fall. Um, but I, I, I think at the end of the day, relationships and trust had to come before the X and O's. Um, I mean, I screwed up names for, for the first three weeks on the sideline, right? And it was like, how could I get players, how could I get those students um, to a point where I thought we needed to be on the basketball court if I didn't know their name, if I didn't have a relationship with them, um, and if they couldn't trust me? So bottom line is, yes, we went one and eight in the fall league uh, and lost in the first round of the playoffs. But as I, you know, as we, we, we broke from that, uh, I felt like we had achieved that goal. And, and Rick, you were one of them. I mean, you see every game. You were kind of one of those guys that continued to say each week, now you're showing little signs of progress. Um, so I thought they started to trust me. They started to believe in me. And, and Rick, you can, again, you can tell what, when, when kids look at you, you can tell if, if they believe in you, right? You can tell if, if they're going to respond to you. And, and I felt that. So the results weren't there, but I felt we were making progress. So when I saw you in the fall time, and it was funny, you it was comical to the point of you sometimes messing up the names or whatever, but uh, you and I talked an awful lot about building relationships. I truly believe that coaches in all sports at the youth level are missing the boat on how important it is to build relationships. I think we're all interested in X and O's and how to win a game, but at the end of the day, uh, we're not real good at times at building relationships. And what I saw, saw over the course of the fall, which led into your winter season, was you started to build relationships. In your opinion, like how did you build those relationships? I, I think, A, right, it's it's communicating. So it's, it's when I made it a point in the fall and even in the winter, that when I walked into the gym and a guy was in the gym, um, whether he was putting his shoes on, whether he was sitting around, whether he was shooting, to go up to him, A, um, and, and Point Guard College uses this, this term called positive contact, and have some form of positive contact, um, whether it's giving him a high five, a fist bump, maybe rebounding for him, asking him how his day is, some form of that. And uh, you know, it reminds me of that quote, it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And I, and I thought that we had to take care of that, the, the Jimmy's and the Joe's because I think relationships and, and trust come first. So I think that was like step one, right? Understanding um, you know, those relationships and, and how you start those, right? And, and, and those aren't, again, those are fluid, right? Those aren't, that's not a, a one-stop shop. That's not you build a relationship in, in a week and boom, everything's done. Those evolve. Uh, and I think, um, I think I did a good job and I think the players responded as well, right? And, and, and those relationships were able to start to kind of prosper. Yeah, no, for sure. So take me into that first part of the season. You get your tryouts, the team's picked, you're starting to work. What were some of the 
maybe new culture ideas that you brought in from day one um, to kind of build the relationships and build the culture that was not there at that time? So, uh, you know, day one for me was we, we have a saying, um, you know, with, with our program now, and, and the saying is everything matters. Um, every single thing that we do matters. We have to control what we can control, whether it's our attitude, whether it's our energy, whether it's our effort. Um, and, and I thought, and I'll get into that, everything matters, um, and kind of some of the things that we emphasize. But I thought we had to learn how to practice. Um, and our guys had, they had really good habits. And I think coach Bradley, um, and his staff, the previous three years, they, they did an awesome job, you know, and, and they're loved by, by, um, by their players. I think they work extremely hard. I think they prepare. Um, but I thought as we kind of morphed our relationship, you know, some of my ideas, some of coach Bradley's ideas, and we, we brought those together. It was learning how to practice, right? It was learning how to practice with the tempo, uh, with efficiency, with focus, um, and holding holding guys accountable so as i go back to that everything matters i think it was down to our attire you know how how we dressed how we looked at practice um the third day of practice one of the guys came in with the wrong practice jersey on and we made him go you know i made him go up get get the correct practice jersey and then we i don't know we ran a sprint or, or did something but it was like you know they're looking at me like i got three heads um but it was down to like we we need to look like a team before we can play like a team we got to look like a team um we you know the stretch the 15 minute stretch and, and, and dynamic stretch and we kind of do it three we do it in three portions it's a dynamic stretch it's a strength and agility piece and then it's a ball handling warm-up but those 15 minutes were as intense 15 minutes from the practice and and i think when you think everything matters right um the stretch to me we you, you don't roll the ball out you got to work um, you got to coach that stretch. You got to coach it, coach it, coach it. Um, because if, if we're going to preach that everything matters, then we have to live it, right? You really have to live it. You're a positive coach uh, who definitely holds kids accountable. And you actually use an example of just the practice jersey. Um, talk a little bit about that. Um, you can hold kids accountable and still have great relationships with the kids. So I think accountability, and, and I guess I'll touch on relationships, but, but players need to know that you care about them. And your, your relationship has to be more than just basketball. Um, you know, I, I, asked, I would ask questions, right? Hey, how was school today? Um, you, how many brothers and sisters do you have? How's your family? Or what other sports do you play? Or take an interest in that. Or what, you know, hey, who are you rooting for tonight on Sunday night football? Um, what they have for something as silly as it's a Sunday morning practice at nine o'clock. What'd you have for breakfast? Um, things like that um, to create two-way conversation. Hey, how you doing? Um, just things like that. I, so I think number one, they have to know you care. Uh, number two, you have to be prepared. If you want to be credible, I think you got to be prepared. So whether it's meetings, whether it's film study, whether it's practice, um, and I, I'm a little probably over the top with preparation. Um, but I think you, in order to do things correctly and in order to hold kids accountable and, and, and if they're going to believe in you, then you have to be prepared on your end. I think the third thing I'd say is, uh, explain the why, right? Why are we doing this? Um, why is it important? Why is this rotation this way? Um, why do we want to, to throw the entry pass here or, or it, things like that? Um, and then the last thing I'd say is, is you have to hold yourself accountable. 
And I think your players have to see you hold yourself accountable. When you screw up as a coach, I think you got to own it. If I am given directions to a drill or even in class and more than one or two kids screws it up, chances are that was on me. Chances are those were, um, that's a, a coaching issue. That's a teaching issue. Um, if, if people don't understand what I'm asking them to do. Um, and, and, and that goes back to, to scouting reports. It goes back to in-game decisions. I think if you can hold yourself accountable, um, it's a lot easier for players to hold themselves accountable. At what point in the season did you know, I got these kids, I have them engaged. Um, they know I care about them. What part of the season did that happen for you? So I'll be honest, I couldn't believe how much progress we made in such a short period of time. Um, I, I would say after about a week, I thought, I, I didn't know how many games we were going to win. Um, and full disclosure, we went 5-15, and 15, right? We, and, and again, we could go into, we lost a lot of, you know, one possession games and we lost this number of games in overtime. And I thought we were very competitive. Um, and I don't know if the five wins tell the, tell the whole story. And believe me, we have miles and miles to go to be where we want to be. But, um, I, Rick, I, I'd tell you, I thought after a week, I thought we could make some serious progress and um, kind of continue pushing this thing forward. And I would tell you as well, the credit goes to the players, right? Um, they came in, they worked, they competed, they were coachable. Um, I thought they learned. I thought they were they, they were just really fun to coach. We have... Uh, we had 13 players on our varsity team, 10 on our JV, and all 23 kids were respectful. Um, they worked hard, and that's really what this is about, right? High school coaching is developing people. Absolutely. Uh, we talked a lot about during the season when we'd have our little uh, conversations. Um, we talked about small victories. How did you measure success throughout the year? So you go 5-15, and 15, um, and it can be tricky, right, the next day of practice to to build these guys up. Um, and because it's such a results-oriented business, it can be a little bit tricky. So I think small victories, I think we talked a lot about um, competition, right, and, and are we competing at a high level. I thought we, we used the term 1% a lot of times. We didn't have to get 10% better. We didn't have to get 30% better in that moment or in that day. We just had to get 1% better. Um, so we use that term a lot, 1%, 1%. Let's just get 1% better. Um, we, we practiced a lot of things um, to, you know, make our guys feel that success, and, and, and hopefully it carried over. We would practice the first four minutes of, of a game almost every day. Um, we would, before games, we would have um, first-half goals. So on the board, we'd have, you know, three or four first-half goals. And, and if we do these things, right, I think we can be successful, whether it's, you know, a number of turnovers in a half that we're going to commit, um, how many times we get to the free throw line, you know, what we want to hold our opponent's field goal percentage to. Um, so I think those were things. And, and I really think about the middle of the season, it, 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 I kind of had one of those aha moments that we, were, we weren't coaching big picture things. We started coaching the details. And when you start coaching the details of, you know, body positioning on a screen or, you know, what we want to do against this play or what we want to do here or there, um, that's when I knew and I felt like we were getting really close to being successful. 
Absolutely. Um, Tewksbury beat Central Catholic for the first time in 40 years. Obviously the biggest win for your for you in your first year there. What was that whole experience like? So first, I think, you know, we, we went into the game. Our approach was the same. You know, we practiced and prepared to be successful. Uh, and whether or not that happens, that's, you know, that, that's decided on those 32 minutes. And we had been kind of knocking on the door. We, I, we went into Central Catholic. We were one and nine. Um, but our last four or five games, we had shown immense progress to the point that, you know, people very close to me were, were saying, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna steal one of these soon. You're going you're gonna to beat beat a team, whether it was Central Catholic, or whether it was Chelmsford, whether it was whoever it was. Uh, we were playing better basketball. But again, when you don't win a game in two, three, four weeks, whatever it was, it's hard. You know, and, and I think it's I think it weighs on coaches. I think it weighs on players. Um, so we found ourselves down 17 points in the third quarter. Uh, and and we talk a lot about being resilient and having belief and being resilient and, and, and the power of, of believing. And we kind of just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. We ended up holding Central Catholic to four points in the fourth quarter um, and, and, and come away victorious. And to me personally, um, it, 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 was, it was emotional. You know, I was really proud of, of the group. Um, I was really proud of the work that we had put in as, as a program. Um, and, the, you know, learning that it was – that we hadn't beat Central Catholic uh, in 40 years, that was icing on the cake, right? Um, and and I'm, what I'm even more proud of was we played Central Catholic on a Friday night. We had a quick turnaround and playing Chelmsford uh, on the road on Sunday. And the, in that game, and, and Rick, I believe you were there, we were down 17 yeah. again in the second half and come back and, and showed that resilience and belief um, and ended up uh, uh, winning the game and winning that game in double overtime. So it was like – you know, we had been knocking on that door, as I said, and to finally get over the hump, you know, beating Central Catholic was awesome. Uh, but then to turn around and do it against Chelmsford um, in that fashion was, was I thought, a, a huge turning point for our program. Yeah, I mean, you've, um, it was amazing how, you know, you were starting to get closer to getting some wins. And we all know when teams start to win, people come out of the woodwork to support them. And, you know, when teams aren't winning, they tend to not be around. What was amazing to me to watch is you still only won five games, but the, the support that you had from the students at Tewksbury High, the administrators at Tewksbury High, the community of Tewksbury in general, what was that whole like? How did the town end up rallying around this team the way it did this year? So one, I think the the, the community of Tewksbury is tight knit. I think there's a lot of people that that you know bleed red, blue, and white, or whatever what white, red, and blue. Um, and and I think people, but I also think people enjoy uh, a a product that's exciting, a product that. Um, you know, shows hard work and dedication and improvement. And I think we were showing all those things. Uh, we had we had great crowds. Uh, Central was a great crowd. We had a great crowd against Chelmsford. Uh, senior night versus Bill Ricca. The place was 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 juiced up and ready to go. Um, and and our student body even traveled on the road. Um, so it was. I actually was was blown away by the support. Um, it, but but I think it's a testament to our players for the type of basketball they played. Uh, and it's a and it's a testament to the community of Tewksbury for um, sticking by and being so supportive of a of a program. Now you were told, uh, you know, the, you got you had some tough losses, overtime losses, one point losses, uh, things like that, and you always made it a, a 
a point to really end on a positive note and, and bring it the next practice. How important was that to, you know, not let these kids get down when they were struggling to close out a game and get even more wins? So it's funny. We, on the bus, we would talk sometimes as a staff that kids are more resilient than coaches. Um, and so we would do some different things, but, uh, you know, a lot of times it was just getting back in and, and working and, and cleaning up some mistakes and, um, turning the page. We also would do some things. Um, you know, our first game against Haverhill was, we got shell shocked in the first quarter and, and found ourselves down 16 or 17 points. But the last three quarters, we, we played some really good basketball. Um, and, you know, standing in a locker room, talking to those guys, afterwards you could see the disappointment on their face but what i wanted them to realize is a life goes on b we got a lot of good things and c let's move this let's let's get over it let's enjoy each other and let's move on um so we ended up that night um you know choosing a place to go to breakfast after sunday morning practice and and we flooded the deli king in tuxbury and um you know just ate together right there was one game we lost a tough one to methuen at the buzzer um, and you could visibly tell our guys were down and, and how'd we end practice? Well, we, we played dodgeball. Um, so just different things to kind of just turn the page. And I think as good as it is for players, I think it's good for coaches too. Um, it's not the end of the world. Uh, it's really important to us and we want to be successful, but we can't change the past. We got to move on and, and we, we can't dwell on it. As I said earlier, you were a finalist for the Central Catholic and the Masconomic job. You had spent uh, many years coaching the North End of Varsity in the off season. Um, I had set you up to coach a couple of all-star teams. Uh, so, because the fact of how much you wanted to coach and how good a coach you were, how did you know not getting those two major jobs or being the finalist on those two jobs? How did that shape you in how you coach this year? So, I think when you when you learn that you didn't get a job there's there's obviously disappointment um i do believe everything happens for a reason and and that's kind of what i hung my hat on you know during those times but i think i learned a lot from both experiences um i'm a note taker so i whether it's in my phone or whether it's on you know in a notebook whatever um and and i immediately went home after those interviews which i thought went well um, and to be, you know, to, to have a second interview and, and be at the final table, um, I, I think validates that. But I, I wanted to write down what I thought I did well, uh, where I need to get better as an interviewer, um, as a coach. And I, I believe that those two experiences helped prepare me for, um, for being a coach in, in, in Tewksbury this year. Uh, and it's funny, you know, I, I, I think I'm a much better coach than I was four or five years ago when I was a finalist at Masconomic. So uh, when I look back, I think it's all part of the preparation to uh, eventually when I am a head coach or, or when I get that opportunity. Um, but I, I, I look back at that, and, and it's more, just like I, I just mentioned, we didn't want our players during the season to dwell on it. I can't dwell on it. I have to move on. Um, I have to be positive, and, and, and I have to keep, keep kind of moving forward. You wrapped up this season. Um, obviously, I saw a lot of positives about this program. Such a different program than just even a year ago. How would you describe the culture now that the season's over? So, number one, we tell our guys, culture never rests, right? Our culture is tested every single day. Um, I, I read a great um, blog by Bob Walsh, who's a assistant coach right now at Providence, 
And um, I wrote the quote down. The quote is, the standard you walk past is the new standard. And we are constantly challenged, right, every day from a coaching staff, from player perspective. Um, you know, what is our commitment level? What is our culture? What are we doing to improve that? How are we holding each other accountable? Um, and I, I think we have commitment. Um, I think players now know what the expectation is. I think they know how we do things. And they know the plan to move forward. Uh, we talk about being all in, right? And all in means every day. That means getting to school on time. That means getting your workout in after school. That means, um, you know, being in shape. That means um, being respectful to your family and your friends and your teachers. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty proud of where we're at. Um, but I, but I'll also say that that our culture never rests. You know, we have to continue to move this thing forward. As I look forward uh, right now, and I, I told our guys this in our in our wrap up meeting, we are not player led yet, um, and we want to get there. You know, and and I'm sure people have heard it a thousand times that player led teams are more successful than coach led teams, and we need our players to take more ownership, and they're there. And as a, as a coaching staff, we have to allow them um, that ownership. And we have to sometimes reel it back uh, and let them, you know, build that in. And I, I look forward to that. I look forward to helping guys become better leaders because they've been, made me a better coach. So I think when we look forward, we want to we wanna become a player-led team, rather a coach-led team. That's great. Um, we've got a few minutes, obviously, left in the podcast. A couple of things. You know that the word passion and how much that means to me, and it's kind of a mantra of everything we do, both here at the youth center and obviously in the BST training. Uh, how much does passion pay into, play into your job as both a teacher and as a coach? Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, you can't fool kids, right? You can't fake passion. It has to be authentic. Um, you got to tell them the truth. Um, but I also think, you know, I look at, at, at my job um, as a physical education teacher. I look at being a, a, a basketball coach. It's easy to be passionate about something when you care about it. It's easy to be passionate about something when you love what you're doing, when you're invested in it. Um, and I think that passion is contagious, right? And, and I, I, I think, Rick, you've done, uh, you know, the, the youth center, right? I mean, you talk about passion. You talk about it being contagious. Spend a Friday afternoon down here, right, and, and, and see the full-time staff, part-time staff, um, and, and then the hundreds of kids that are here. I think if you are real, the results follow. Yeah, I mean, well said. Um, I honestly believe that um, it takes a lot to be a coach these days, and I don't think all coaches want to do all the things that it takes to actually um, build the child and build the player and obviously have a successful team, et cetera, et cetera. I often believe that you know, a coach has to be a teacher, it has to be a, a coach, it has to be a psychologist, has to be a mentor. Um, do you think in this day of 2020 that it, to be a coach, you have to have that, all of those things? I do. Uh, I think it, it, it's interesting. I think every kid has different needs, right? I think you can't coach or teach the same way for every kid. Every kid's unique, and I think you need to meet them where they're at. Um, and, and one of the things that, that I'm, you know, working on and, and I think I'm good at is pushing the right buttons and how to get the most out of each student, how to get the most out of each player. Um, and I, I think good coaches teach every day. I think good coaches coach every day. I think good coaches, um, use some form of psychology every day. Um, 
and I think I think Rick and and it comes down it comes back to having relationships and can they trust you um, we had a, a a freshman who I think is gonna be a really good player for us this year um, and and I was I, I felt like I was struggling to connect with him um, and I actually my um, my aunt and uncle do this with their their little kids um, I guess they're not little but um, my cousins, excuse me, not my aunt and uncle, but they do this every day with their four, three-year-old and five-year-old, and it's it, they call it the best thing, worst thing game, and they sit around the dinner table and they talk about what was the best thing that happened to them and the worst thing that happened to them each day, um, and it like the light bulb went on, and with this with this individual uh, who I think is gonna be a really really good player, we started doing it. I'd, I'd tell him what the best thing that happened to me, the worst thing that happened to me, and vice versa. And it was like just breaking down that barrier um, and starting to build that relationship. You could see the trust, and that paid off in practice. That paid off in games, um, and hopefully it continues to pay off as we move forward. Absolutely. Really, really good points. Um, obviously, we're going to finish with the relationships like we are right now. This is a huge thing. We talk about, you and I talk about building relationships all the time, and Working together over the years with our BSD training, it is amazing the relationships we've built with the kids that, you know, to this day come back and, you know, seek our advice and and talk to us. And um, we were more than just trainers and coaches to them. We obviously were, were big figures in their life and continue to be, and we're going to enjoy watching them grow up to be fine young people uh, in the community. But if I had to ask um, the seniors at Tewksbury that after senior night they finished their season – how would they describe their year with Coach Steve Boudreau? Well, I think, number one, um, it's bigger than basketball. Um, I think they would tell you that <clears throat> I care about them um, a lot. I think they, they would tell you um, that I've held them accountable, that we've worked really hard, um, that, you know, they, seniors, um, and myself and, and, and everybody involved with the program this year has, has left the program in a better place. Um, and I think that's the goal, right? I hope that they would say that I've made them um, not only a little bit better of a basketball player, but hopefully a little bit better of a person. Um, and, and I and and I guess I feel that gratitude towards them. Uh, they've made me a better coach. They've made me a better person. And and um, you know, hopefully, I can continue uh, to do that with with players from you know till the day I die. Absolutely. We're going to give you, we always give our guests what we call the final word. Um, you know, our listeners are going to be anybody from your peers to kids um, to professionals that you deal with. What would be your final word to maybe, maybe even a young coach coming up or a new coach um, of some of the things you've learned that you could kind of give them a little bit of a blueprint of what they need to do to, to do some of the things that you've done? Yeah, so I think, you know, when you think about a blueprint for coaching, I think number one, um, it's can you connect with people, right? Can you connect with, with coaches that you're going to work with? Can you connect with, um, with players? Uh, number two, I think you have to get on the court. I think you have to, it's, it's trial by, by fire. Um, and it's funny, we joke about this, Rick, but my first year at BST, I was more of a guy that picked up the cones and filled up the water bottles for the guys um, and but being thrown into the fire and, and learning on the fly 
uh, I think is huge. I think the third thing I'd tell you is it's, it's that old Navy SEALs quote, adapt, adapt, and adapt again. And just continuing to adapt and, and, and be, be quick on your feet, uh, I think is huge. And the last thing I would say is, is learn, continue to learn, continue to, um, to study, to read, to um, you know, be open-minded about different things. This is some really good advice you gave. This uh, this podcast has been has really shed some light on the continued topics of we feel about building relationships and building culture. Um, let me tell you, folks, uh, this guy is going to be a head coach uh, sooner than later. Um, we are getting into the season that people are, uh, are starting to look at new coaches and uh, I've heard your name bounced around already. Um, obviously, you've got a nice situation over in Tewksbury. We'll see where that goes for you. But uh, obviously, I consider you one of the up-and-coming coaches. You're, you're clearly an X and O guy. Love having you around our training stuff. Um, but the, what I'm most proud about you is not your X and O's. What I'm most proud about you is how you develop young people, um, how young people look at you. Um, you know, I'm just looking how your middle school students idolize you now, and you've got a great opportunity, uh, as all adult teachers and coaches have, to build relationships and, and have lasting memories. So I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, and I, I know for a fact this has been really helpful information. Well, I, I I thank you, Rick, and and it's been a it's been a fun platform, you know, a fun half hour to to kind of get some of my thoughts out. Um, but I, it, what's interesting, I guess, is is you know we, we sit here and we talk about culture and relationships, um, and I, the, I I guess I'd I'd be wasting an opportunity if I didn't talk about what the youth center, what the North End of Youth Center means to me. Um, you know, as a kid, I I, I attended summer fun, um, did the fourth and fifth grade program on Saturday I played youth center summer league as a middle school as a high schooler I was a summer fun employee I was a summer fun coordinator uh, part of youth council um, etc etc um, this place was my second home for many many summers and and hopefully that the youth of North Andover and the parents of North Andover realize um, how just how special this place is um, and I know I'm in here talking about culture but if you really want to learn about culture, you really want to see culture, um, come down and spend a day at the youth center. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I think we, you know, we we do a lot of work of trying to continue uh, building our culture, and it's good to see the people that have come through our doors, um, spreading their wings, and uh, obviously starting their cultures in their own professions, whatever it may be. So, I want to thank Steve Boudreau for once again coming on the podcast. That wraps up this week's podcast. As we. Uh, always say we have uh, a number of different things we're trying to do this every week and i want to appreciate i do appreciate all of you that have been listening to our podcast the feedback we've been getting on social media and just people like uh running up to me in the in a store just saying hey i listened to that podcast and that was great and we appreciate your support and i'm glad this platform continues to do well and as we finish every podcast we always say too much passion is never enough passion